you handled that well. <laughs> thought I was going to have to extemporize here while we finished out children's worship or coins for Christ. Um, if you haven't been here the last two weeks, let me catch you up um, on where we've been. We've been looking at biblical images of the church. Images that Scripture uses to describe the fellowship that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible uh, paints wonderful pictures, very interesting images. And it's not our job to take those images and peel them apart and find out uh, where, you know, what all the separate components of it are all about. Uh, it's for us to get the whole picture and to understand what it is that is being communicated about the nature of our fellowship. As we begin, I would love for us to just take a moment here and pray because in studying these images of how God describes the fellowship of of His children called the church, there's a lot that can bless us. And I want you to be blessed by that too. And I want to make sure that I'm doing what I can to communicate it to you, but also that the Spirit works in all of us in this. So, would you, just, would you just pray with me for a moment, okay? Father, please open up the truth, the wisdom of Scripture to us. You've given us your word, and it's not, it's, it's not a, a canned lesson in a book, but it's a living word. It's a word that is meant to be read and spoken and lived, and it's something that we'll spend the next few minutes sharing with one another. And Father, I ask not only that that you would be with me as the speaker, but that you would be with all of us, including myself, as the hearers of this word, and that then you will give us your spirit so that we may be doers of the word. Lord, I confess to you, and I'm sure we all can confess this, that living up to the standards that you have for your people, it can be challenging, and that's why we're very aware of your grace. And the high mark of love, the high mark of unity that you have given us in this word, it, it can be intimidating when we unfortunately put ourselves in the position of thinking that it's all up to us and our effort to do it. So teach us how to be humble. Teach us how to step back and to rely on your spirit, to rely on your grace. And to see our connection not only with the body, but with the head of the body, who is Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we offer this prayer. And so let's all say together, amen. We've looked at the cloud of witnesses. That's one image. We've looked at the vine and the branches. That's another image. And then there's the image of the body of Christ. And we use this image with some frequency. I would say that it appears more in our language uh, more often than vine in the branches and cloud of witnesses does. And yet, this image doesn't stand out above any of the others in Scripture. It's just one of many images offered in the Word of God. Body of Christ, though, can be used in different ways. It'll be used to refer to the communion where the bread is the body of Christ And then you have the body of Christ, the church, gathering around the body of Christ, the bread. 
And yes, there's an intentional kind of wordplay there with that in 1 Corinthians. But it's used in four scriptures by the Apostle Paul. And, and so you can tell that this, this image must have been in Paul's toolkit as he was teaching churches, as he was teaching congregations about what it meant to be the fellowship of Christ. Uh, and, and by the way, it's also interesting that he uses this terminology with mostly, mostly Gentile groups because he knew his audience well and, he would, and they would understand what he meant by this imagery. So about four times it's used by Paul to draw out some different message or some different principle about the, our fellowship in Christ. We'll take a look at the first one in Romans 12. Romans 12, Paul has, um, is, is getting into his, his section about what it means to live as Christ's people. Uh, to not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but to conform to the mind and the spirit of Christ. And so one of the things he says in verse 4 and 5, just as our bodies, our physical bodies, have many parts, and each part in the body has a special function, it's the same way with Christ's body. We, as individuals, are many parts of one body, and so we all belong to each other. And when Paul is saying this to churches in Rome, which you had many congregations throughout Rome, and some of them would have Jewish backgrounds, and some would have Gentile backgrounds, he's making the point that there is a unity that supersedes all of their differences, and that they all belong to one another. This reading comes from the New Living Translation, and it says, our bodies have many parts, the body of Christ has many parts, and yet it's one. Some of you, in your English Bibles, maybe, say for example, the NIV, another popular version. It's not going to read body, parts, it's going to read members. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each, now listen to this word, each member belongs to all the others. Now when you hear member, Member. Member of what? Member of the body. Member of the church. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking of a body part that can be dismembered? Or are you thinking about somebody who's a stakeholder, a card holder, a pew sitter? You know, somebody who's signed the card. Somebody who's in the directory. We're going to come back to that. But I think the best translation for our English ears in the 21st century in America is not members, but parts. He's talking about the parts of the body. We'll come back to this. Uh, but his point in Romans is that all of the parts of the body belong to one another. That the parts of the body are connected and they cannot be removed from the body unless, what a horrid thinking sounding word, they are dismembered from the body. They don't just pick up and leave and go place membership somewhere else. I think if, if Paul understood the way we use this term, he would be telling the Corinthians, you know, the hand cannot say to the foot, I think I'll go place membership at another body. Not only is that impossible, but I don't want somebody's dismembered hand placing membership with my body, okay? 
It doesn't work that way. Speaking of which, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians. Now, in 1 Corinthians, he has this extended discussion, and he uses that kind of silly imagery of body parts talking to one another. And we saw this verse on the screen during the communion. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And it's interesting that the same word is being used in Greek, in 1 Corinthians and in Romans 12. But in Romans 12, English translators will favor the word member, and in, <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians, they'll favor the word part. It's the same original word. I think part, again, is the better is the better translation. His point in 1 Corinthians is, is that there's a harmony in the body. There ought to be at least. And when there's a disharmony in the body, something is wrong. And just as in a human body, the parts cannot divide themselves out. We are not action figures. One of my favorite things about action figures, you know, people always ask you growing up as a kid, hey, what was your favorite action figure? It didn't matter to me. In fact, I'm going to confess right here. Among my set of action figures were Barbies, okay? I know, that can cause me to lose my man card. But you have to understand this. They weren't my Barbies in the first place. They belonged to my sister, and I'm paying for this sin forever. The point was not to play with them. My point was to dismember them. That's what I enjoy. Because they come apart. I mean, you just wanted to see how that worked. And uh, I guess I was sort of like Sid on Toy Story because, you know, we used to, we used to see if we could transplant G.I. Joe parts to Johnny West and, uh, and if we could come up with hybrids, and we were going to have a hybrid action figure. And I'll tell you right now, Stretch Armstrong, he does not dismember. He just kind of turns into a puddle of, of weird, toxic substances, okay? Um, I don't know, maybe I should have been a surgeon, but probably not. The, uh, not with that kind of background. The point is, we're not action figures. We don't come apart like that. And Paul is using this sort of wisdom and this sort of language to, to describe a nonsensical body that where all the parts are in rebellion. Now, let me, let me share this with you. That story is not original with Paul. Paul is borrowing that story from Aesop. The Aesop has one of his fables, uh, among his fables, is one called the belly and the members. And that's what that odd picture there is. Uh, that you have this, this creature that's just a belly. And he's got body parts. And the body parts, the, 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 the limbs, the arms and legs say, Hey, we're sick of the belly getting all the food, so we'll go into rebellion. And then they realize they need the belly. And Aesop's stories are usually short and not very creative. And the point of it all is, hey... Everybody needs each other. If you're a fan of Shakespeare, this story gets picked up later in one of his plays, Coriolanus. And uh, it, it gets picked up, and they use this again to say that, the, that the, the, the people, whether it's the Roman Empire or whether it's uh, some other nationality, have to realize their dependence on one another. Paul will make the point, and, and by the way, I think it's okay that Paul is using this because he knows his audience well. He knows that this story would be very common to them. And the point that he's making is that since we are all connected to one another, we can't, we can't do without one another if we're connected as the body of Christ. And because of that harmony, we experience mutual suffering. When one part hurts, the whole body hurts. 
But when one part experiences joy, we all experience joy. There's that connectedness. And he's trying to say that in your fellowship as the church, you are connected that profoundly. That you can't just detach yourself from others. In Ephesians, Paul's going to take the, the, the imagery and he's going to add a new idea to it. Because now he is going to look at the body, but he's also going to concern himself with the idea of the head of the body. Let's take a look at Ephesians 4, and I want to read a little bit more of this than what we have on the screen. In Ephesians 4, he begins the chapter with the idea of unity. Um, And he speaks of unity in very conceptual ways. uh, That... uh, For example, we should make every effort, verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. That's conceptual language. Peace, Spirit, unity. But Then he's going to make it concrete. So when you, which means he's, he's going to make it very real. He's going to describe physical, tangible things we can understand. Like verse 15 uh, let's go back to 14. When, when we have this kind of unity, we're no longer going to be immature little children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ. And Christ is the head of the body, the head of the church. And he makes his whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. In Ephesians, the emphasis shifts. Or it expands, rather. It's not just on the relationship of the different parts of the body, but now it's focusing also on the relationship between the head of the body, Christ, and the body, the church. So three things. First, each part does what that part was designed to do. And when each part does what that part is designed to do, it's a system. The body grows together. When all of the parts of your body are functioning as they should, your body grows and it is healthy. When something is wrong, that's when we experience a lack of health or disease. So, all the parts of the body help the body grow together. And he lists in Ephesians different roles. I mean, the parts of the body of Christ are in verse 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, I don't think Paul intends to give you an exhaustive list of what all the parts are. He's just mentioning some important ones. He's mentioning some that make his point here. Uh, But notice what he says in verse 12. Their responsibility or their function is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Later this year in the fall, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about this and we're going to be acting on it. We want to recognize, or we want to take the opportunity to recognize, are there other men in this congregation who need to be shepherds in this congregation? We'll be saying more about that in the future. This is in the fall. But understand this, 
we're not simply appointing offices whenever the church does that. We're actually seeking more people to be a part of our church staff. We're not just seeking to fill positions, though we're going to use that language. Ultimately, what we're looking at is, what are the responsibilities and the functions? What are the parts that we need in this congregation to help this congregation grow? Paul has just said in Ephesians that the responsibility of those different people who play their part in the body of Christ is to equip the body so that it will grow. Now, the other thing that he says in Ephesians, and that's what I'm trying to show you, this, these two verses right here are dense. They are, and I don't mean hard to understand. I mean there's a density of wisdom here. It's packed full of wisdom. Just these two verses. He said that each part, when it does what it's designed to do, will help the others grow. That's the connection with the parts in the body. The second is that Christ is the head, and it is the head that fits the body parts together. It controls things. We often get very concerned about how we fit with everyone else. Maybe it concerns you that you wonder about your role in the body of Christ But before you can worry about your role in the body of Christ, you want to make sure that everybody else is doing what they're supposed to do. If you're paying too much attention to what others are doing and not paying attention to how you fit into the head of the body, that is Christ, then you may have your emphasis in the wrong place. If we will focus on our connection to Christ, He will show us where we fit in with the rest of the body. And and if He doesn't, don't worry about it. Because he's got you doing what you need to be doing for the growth of the church. Your body, as God designed it, your human body, functions without your awareness. I can't remember the last time, I mean, for me to move my hand up here to, uh, you know, to, to scratch here, sometimes that's a reflex. But see, I can think about it. I can think about this. Okay, And uh, I can think about holding my glasses and I can think about moving my hands and my fingers in very complex, wonderful ways to, you know, put my glasses on my face so that I can see better. And all of the signals that interact there, I'm, I, I'm, I'm aware of how in control I am there. I cannot remember the last time I fired off a command to my spleen. Can you? Oh, yeah, what's wrong? Oh, it's the spleen. I'll just kind of do a little spleen move that way five inches. I'm not worried about what the spleen is doing if it's doing its, its job. I'm not even sure what it's supposed to do. But it's just such an interesting name, spleen. So uh, you, you look for an opportunity to say it. Likewise in the body of Christ. We can spend so much time being concerned with what others are doing, and sometimes we have to. Like when I'm putting my glasses on my face, there's so much coordination there that I have to be aware of how it all works together. But sometimes it's not good for me to be paying too much attention. My point in all of this is that you and I are not the head of the body. Christ is, let him be the head of the body. The message of Ephesians is that when Christ is the head, the body is healthy, it grows, and it's full of love. That ought to be our vision. 
Altogether, the condition of the body is that wonderful state when we are connected not just to one another, but to the head. This same idea shows up with even more concrete language in Colossians. And Colossians 1.18 says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. And then you skip over a chapter to chapter 2, and it says, For Christ holds the whole body together with its joints and its ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Now he's using very visceral language. The point is that not only are the body, the body parts, the parts of the body of Christ linked together, but Christ has linked them together because he is the head of the body. Here he emphasizes the connection with the head. And in Colossians 2, let's take a look at Colossians 2, okay? Go ahead if you want to look at that with me. Why, why does he mention this? Why does he even mention this? Is he just trying to explain, you know, hey, the body of Christ, we need to go over that a little bit more. No, there's a reason. Because in Colossians, there's a problem. And the body in, Colo- the body in Colossae, the congregation in Colossae, is not as healthy as it needs to be. Notice the context of verse 19 in chapter 2. Let's go back to verse 16. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days, or for new moon ceremonies or Sabbath. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they're not connected to Christ the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Now, whether the people who are condemning are condemning because you're not following the rules very rigidly, or they're condemning because they think that you're following the rules too rigidly, his point is those who will judge, those who would condemn others, those who would have a arrogant view of themselves are not connected to the head of the body. That's his point. Those who've lost the connection with the head of the body, Christ, they have misplaced their confidence. They judge others. They exalt themselves. They focus on what they're doing, or they're focusing on what others are not doing, or they focus on what others are doing and focus on what they're not doing, the point is the focus continues to be inward and outward, but not upward. This is why it's important, Paul says, Scripture says, to get that connection to the head of the body first. You know, one of the the statements that I've heard a lot, and maybe you've heard it too, and I've been thinking about this for quite some time, And I want to be gracious here. It's just, this is just, I mean, I'm not saying that I specifically heard it from anyone. It's just one of those, those cultural slogans that you hear out there. And it, it seems, and it's, of course, it's very popular in religious circles. It's, it, it, it takes to shape something like this. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Okay. Now, well, here we are in church, and, you know, instantly I'm supposed to take a stance against such a statement. Well, okay. I've been trying to be gracious and try to understand that statement and what it means. And I get the idea that sometimes it's just a shocking statement that's made to say Christianity was always meant to be a connection with 
Jesus Christ and that institutional church is never what God intended for it to be, fair enough, I get it. But I'm going to tell you that I don't think that's a very healthy or useful phrase. On the other hand, I think that that phrase is often used in, in, in very destructive ways. And again, I can't, you know, I, I can't tell you what every person who uses that phrase means by it. That's not my job. But just taking that phrase as it is, I want to ask you to think about it. Because, look, if, if you want to admit that you felt that way, I've probably felt that way too, you know. Man, I wish I could just, you know, spend time with Jesus and just ditch the church, you know. Church would be great if it wasn't for all those people, you know. That's the, you know, if it was just me and Jesus. Well, that's the whole point of church is that it is us. It's the people. But let me, when you hear that term or that term bubbles up in your own heart, let me ask you, first of all, does Jesus know what you think about his wife? Okay, that's the first thing. I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. You're talking about his bride. Keep that in mind. Okay. Secondly, it's a misunderstanding of church. It misunderstands church as an institution. If you're connected to Christ, then you're going to be connected to the body of Christ. It's how it works. There's not Christ, the head of this body over here, and Christ, the head of this body over here. There's one head. There's one body. It's all connected in Christ. Not on an institutional role somewhere, not in a directory somewhere. It's not all connected by some denominational headquarters or by some university campus or by some common historical branch. I mean, yeah, those things all do demonstrate our various connections, but that's ultimately not the most meaningful or the only meaningful connection. The only meaningful connection is that we are connected in Christ. And this takes me back to the thing I said about members or parts. Membership. Membership. Where is your church membership? Have you placed membership? Are you a member of the church? I mean, you know, you, you, you hear those kind of questions, you know. And, uh, and we use that language. Membership, and, and, and for a people who pride themselves on calling Bible things with, by Bible names, membership is not a biblical word. Now, if I'm wrong on that, point it out to me later, and, and, and I, but I think I'm right. I think I'm right. I mean, you know, you're not going to find that actual word. Remember, that one word that means member that's used in all of these scriptures, it means part. Membership is used differently. And if you look at the etymology of this, uh, that, that means the history, the background of this English word. Before the 15th century, member is always anatomical okay like the belly and the members meaning you know that your arm is a member of your body it is a member and it can be dismembered the word is almost exclusively used in those terms it's a biological anatomical term it's not until the 15th century that we see the term being used in an institutional way to refer to i think the actual example is a member of parliament which that's about as official and uh, you know, organizational as you can get. But how we use the term then confuses us on how we see our connection. 
If you think that your connection to the church is a matter of membership, then stop and think about how we view membership. Here's just a few examples of what we think of when we think of membership. And you can decode this little picture puzzle here. Uh, For example, membership has its privileges. American Express has made that, that, that phrase very popular. There are tons of sermons written with that slogan, membership has its privileges. Well, I can't preach that because membership's not a very biblical term. So no offense to the guys who've preached that, but hey, I think that we get the wrong idea when we think about membership. I mean, ask yourself what that advertising slogan is trying to do to you. Membership has its privileges. Look at that guy. He's got an American Express gold card. Because of that, he got at the front of the line on the plane. I'm going to be a member of that club. See? Or, I want to be a member of the Mickey Mouse Club. Why? Because they have cool hats. And uh, some of you probably joined just because, you know, you had a crush on Annette Funicello. I don't know. But, uh, you know, some of you never even heard of the Mickey Mouse Club. You don't know what I'm talking about. And in the 80s, they could see membership can be so evil. They convinced us to wear these horrid looking jackets because, hey, <laughs> members only. So if you were wearing that little jacket with that useless little strap around the neck, it was like, he's a member. All right. He gets in to the best of places. He's in the club. And of course, you know, there's Columbia House uh, uh, record and tape store. This is old, okay? Because now you just download things, legally or illegally. But back in the day, what you have to, you would, you know, 13 records or tapes for only a dollar. Look at how excited she is. She's got Boston and Meatloaf. And, you know, this guy back here is wanting to, I think he's wanting to listen to Perry Como. But anyway, the, uh, uh, you know, we, they want you to join and be a member. I was a member. What I didn't know was they're going to keep sending me stuff and making me pay for it. So I canceled my membership. Yeah, because, because, because they were taking my money, that's why, yeah, yeah. Good question. I like the way they're thinking here. Good questions, yeah. But you see, in the body of Christ, you do not have a membership to cancel. You're connected to the head of the body. You are a part of the body. This is why that term membership, I'm sorry, it just doesn't work. But we use it. I'm going to admit at the same time, we use it, and I wonder if maybe we ought to start working on shifting the way we use that term. Um, Maybe instead of just placing membership, uh, by the way, when we use the term placing membership, here's what we mean by it. We mean, and, and by the way, this is a Westark term. Let me say that right now. Now, I know other congregations use it. But being a part of the body of Christ is a spiritual union with the church, Christ's church, his body. Not a particular denomination, not a particular congregation, but a spiritual relationship with the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it connects you with the children of God. Okay? Now that's what it is. That's what it's always been. And it's what it will always be. But congregations like us, because we organize ourselves in a building, we have staff, we have bulletins, we have emails, we have databases. It's like Jake said when he was leading us through the table of the Lord. You stop and think about this. 
people are celebrating the communion in the body of Christ all over the world. And some of them meet in homes. Some of them meet in rented buildings. Some of them meet out in in fields. There's all sorts of ways that that body comes together and communes. This is just one possible way. It's not the only way, and it's not the way that we've always done it in our culture. It's not the way we always will. But when we talk about placing membership, we're talking about this congregation right here that meets at 900 North Waldron, has its, its, you know, its, its organizational structure here at this address. But what we mean by it is we say, hey, do you share a common faith experience with us? Because let me say this, I know that some of you have placed your membership with West Ark. Some of you have not. Some of you have chosen to. Some of you have not chosen to. Some of you may not even be aware of what it involves. I get that. There's a lot of different options out there. And I'm just wanting to start a conversation here. And I want you to understand that when we talk about this local membership, we're talking about sharing in a common faith experience. And the way we read Scripture and the way that we teach it, we believe that that begins with baptism. We believe that baptism is central to it because baptism connects us to Christ, who's the head of the body. Now, beyond that, it means getting involved. It means connecting with others. It means growing together. And we've used a lot of different ways and means to teach that. But maybe, let me propose this today. Instead of saying placing membership, maybe we should say what we really mean, which is we want you to be involved in a relationship. It's not membership, it's relationship. And relationship is a much more biblical word. And that's really what we're after. You've got a relationship with Christ, do you want to have a relationship with us? Even if you're just a visitor, we want to have some kind of relationship with you. But I'm more concerned, not simply with you placing membership, my primary concern always is and always will be, Are you part of the body? Are you part of the body of Christ? If you want to place membership with this congregation, if you want to have a formal relationship, if if you're happy to be here and worship and to connect with us, that's great. We love having you here. We we want to be really open and friendly, and we we want to fellowship and have a relationship with many people. But if you want to formalize it and do what we call membership, that's great. We want you to start a relationship. We want there to be some beginning to that. But the real question is, are you part of the body of Christ? Are you connected to the head of the body, Jesus Christ? Which means, are you one of his followers? Are you his disciple? And a disciple is a learner. And and if that's the case, then, are you growing? Are you maturing to be like him? Now, I happen to think from reading Scripture that your connection with other people who are part of the body of Christ, that your connection, your fellowship with those who are also disciples, that that can help you in your discipleship. And I don't just think that. Scripture seems to teach that as well, that the older need the younger, that we all need one another, that we all have different gifts, and that helps us to mature in Christ. Are you striving to be mature and to be like him? And with regards, now that's your connection to the head. But with regards to the body, 
Are you willing to love the body of Christ? Or are you content to be a member who's demanding the privileges of membership? Well, if you are willing to love, I'll tell you this, that doesn't mean that the body of Christ is by any means perfect, but Christ is perfecting it. And I'll tell you also that Scripture says that love covers over a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean we ignore sins. It doesn't mean we ignore the damage of sin. But it does mean that we're able to deal with it through love. But if you're a membership, if you're just a, you know, if you want to be a member and demand the privileges of membership, then I have this news for you. You're a consumer. And what happens when a body consumes itself? It dies. There's no place for consumers in the body of Christ. As we stand and sing this song, what, what does our relationship with Christ mean to you? How can we enhance that? Maybe you're concerned that your relationship with Christ isn't everything that it's supposed to be. Well, let me share this good news with you. Christ wants to deepen that relationship. He's willing. And, and, and if your relationship with the body of Christ is not everything that you think it needs to be, then let's work it out through love. We have shepherds who will pray with you. We have others who will, who will gladly build that relationship with you, and we can even deal with the problems together if we're connected to the head of the body and all of the parts are connected together then with one another. As we stand and sing this song, there will be shepherds in room 100. They'll be ready to pray with you. There'll be shepherds right down here. You just let us know what you need. How can we encourage you today? Let's stand. Let's sing together.